<sighs> All right. Boys, we're almost there. I mean, it's we're three minutes over. We only have one week till it's over. The Exodus. Hey, can you say movement of ja people? Hey, can you can you say the second the title of the second book of the Bible real quick? Can I say? Yes, yeah, say it. Exodus. Blake. Exodus. Okay, so people make fun of me from different places in the world. They say that we say egg. Exodus. Like Exodus. 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 As Exodus. opposed to... Y'all, we're about to go preaching through <laughs> Exodus. But they, they, say, they say it's Exodus. And I'm like, hey, why don't you Exodus. simmer down? Like, like express that. How about, how about take this? Put this in your pipe and smoke it. Nuclear. <laughs> Stop. I'll say it all day long. Nuclear. Let's go nuclear in Exodus. Go that, why is that messing with my brain? Nuclear. Stop. Stop doing that. Don't... I don't even know how to say I it, feel dude. Like, I feel I like really you just don't. inceptioned uh, me. Don't do that. <laughs> It should be nuclear, like you nuke it and then it's clear. Nuclear. No, uh, nuclear. Say, I don't think- Is I that don't, wrong? It is wrong. He's nuclear saying wrong. is wrong? No, he's not. You're right, Lawson. Don't let him gaslight yeah, The whole thing, though, is Dude. if you do this to me, it'll ruin me forever. Please don't, don't do that. Let Blake's here to protect me. All right, let's prank call Beth. No, we're not prank call. Okay. Hold on. All right, hold on. What, oh, do, what do you gosh. want me to say? I don't know. Just put her on the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, she'll have to be in. What do you want? Who's pranking? <laughs> I mean, you can try. You She's not going to answer if it's a phone number she doesn't recognize. Oh, that's anyway. right. I don't know. Then if it's not funny, it falls flat. It's a lot of pressure. We shouldn't do it. She's never going to recover from that. <laughs> like the question is, do we really want me to suffer later today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's let's yeah, leave my I'm house down. a peaceable place. Why don't we just call her and put her voice on? Oh, that'll be fine because she'll just hang up instantly. Okay, hold on. Just call her and say, hey, you're on speakerphone. Say that. You're on speakerphone because that's true. <laughs> and Don has a question. You're going to have to double call her. Because that y'all's... I'm not doing that. Unspoken rule. I'm not doing that. We have a rule against that. It's a rule. We don't do that. But I've put you up to it. We don't do that. <laughs> double Literally calls for emergency only. It. Double That's call. a real thing. Tragic. God. See? We'll do it next time. And she won't even know because it's like, even if you include that, That's we'll, just keep, we'll just keep calling until That's a new ringing. bit. That's a new bit. Okay. <laughs> until she answers. Yeah, that'll be fun. How many weeks is it right now? Take? Right now, she's looking at, she's probably, well, right now, she's probably getting hiding up. And if she calls back, you can't answer it. Okay. And if she double calls you, you can't answer it. She double calls, I'm answering it. You can text her back and be like, look, I, I, found, no. what I found out what I was needing. Double call is a statement of need. <clears throat> like, if you double call me, it's... You shouldn't, it's, let, you shouldn't tell the people this. People mm-hmm. are going to abuse this. That's fair. Didn't tempt them like Somebody that. double called me. Oh, yeah. Somebody double called me the other day and I was like, hey, look, man. You double called me. This better be real. And it wasn't. Mm. and I was a little upset because I was because it's like I'm in the middle of something mm. especially this week because the sermon was was required so much study mm-hmm. that it was like somebody double called me and it's like look you know broke my flow Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and Beth Harlow is calling me right now. 
home. <laughs> what do I do? Goodness. You can't well, answer it. It's too late now. All right. We have to remember to well, Welcome on. to Progress of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Old Church. My name is Lawson time. Harlow, and with me today I have Don Terrell and Blake McCullough. So, Don, what are we doing today? So today, what are we doing today? Today we will discuss the title of today's episode, which is... <laughs> what rhymes with Dispy? <clears throat> Crispy. So I was trying to think like Dispy's be crispy. <laughs> so then I thought, you know, just the whole the whole reason like that you would might rhyme with it is to poke a little fun. It's no problem. We have fun on the show. Right? Yep. Okay. And so then I just thought we would we would title it What Rhymes with Dispy. So now it's Dispy is crispy? <laughs> no, that's well, not what the title. Uh, what's the rhyme? Brother, the he, joke, he's gone. He, are you he, back? He Sorry, Beth, text me back. I do. Yeah, he, but he, you get it though. Buddy. I get it because you're you're comedy like yeah. me. You know yeah. what rhymes with this me? Yeah, whatever you want to say. It doesn't like, matter. It's, it's all I remember funny. when you ordered that belt. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked I think over about it every time I, just I put looked it over on. And that gray belt, that gray nylon belt that we he said he nylon. <laughs> That old nylon belt. When we're going through Exodus. <laughs> Sorry. This has been fun. It's been a month. Yep. Since we've been together. So it's, <laughs> it's going to be feisty. It's going to oh. be furious. We'll try not to uh, babble about. So. <laughs> so anyways. Like Genesis 11. All right. Well. Which we didn't cover. Did we I know, because Julie said... Well, what happened to Genesis <laughs> four or five? You gotta read that for yourself. That's your Bible. She, reading just, she said, "What? Those don't matter. They matter. It just mm. was. That's what I said. Three sermons. Yeah. What do you want from me? <laughs> right. What do you want? You want six hours? <laughs> I can guarantee I she doesn't. No. Hey, did she keep rocking the whole way through? I think so. Yeah. So I sent. You know, Don said you can tell about how long it's been. By the pace at which Julie's in her seat rocking back and forth. Yeah. Or and, if she sets her Bible down. And so, and so <laughs> With I sent him, uh, I sent him a meme. I said, I expect, I expect for, for Julie to be rocking back and forth the entire sermon. And so I found this meme of a guy rocking back and forth. And I was like, there it is. That's what I expect. I don't, mm. I don't. She's tough on me and you, Lawson. I know you're a, yeah, it's real. I mean, it's really, but she did say the other day, she's going to kill me, dude. Send it. She's already a little gun shy about singing loudly mm. because of a childhood experience in church, Fair. sadly. Yeah. And so sometimes when you come up there Wait, what's during the childhood singing experience? and you you sit by her, I can I can feel her volume <laughs> well. Oh, because she doesn't want me to hear her? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's is that I'm, why she's just in the front row? No. Uh, we sit up there because we're both ADD. <laughs> Takes a lot. That's why, that's why the joke came that I wanted to just like turn and we should sing at each other. Because it's greet each other uh-huh. with songs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we really don't do that. I mean, I, I actually like, feel like, I don't know, like the Avengers. When the three of us are up there singing together, it feels kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, move over, Julie. For that half a verse that I'm even up there. She come up there more often. We're going to talk about how I forgot that I had the call to worship. I was was walking up there to do it. Did you forget? Yeah, we 100% forgot. 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 He didn't even bring his Bible up. He brought his phone up. He looked up I was walking to the bathroom. (laughs) You know what? That's why Sunday felt weird. 
Wow. He did it. Uh, I, I was already up there, and he started walking forward. I was just going to read it and, note, yeah. and not he miss was a beat. So awkward. Lawson's like getting up there, like putting the mic up, and he looks at you, and he's like, I mean, are you coming? <laughs> like, like yes, I will Dad, read that. You deserve that. Everybody, everybody gives you the easiest. You, oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, every so often you need to be given a hard time because you you're preached. like the little brother that's protected. You that's preached fair. for how long? You did the an record. hour and six minutes. It didn't feel that long at all, though. Oh, which thanks. is which is a compliment. Yeah, but if 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 he gets felt up like there that and to goes, me. if he gets up there and goes long, or if I do anything for thirty six seconds, yeah, or misstep over a word, it's like on my head. <laughs> <laughs> Nuclear. <laughs> I hope that word's not in there. Uh, all right, are we ready? Yeah, because we've got. Where Products of Grace lives, it's 4.42 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, and we have to be done by five. Six. Six. (laughs) (laughs) We better be done by six. We got time, man. man. Uh, Uh, So this past Sunday. Yep. uh, Well, the past two Sundays, we've we've alluded to this, Hmm. that you guys have been preaching a prelude. Hmm. Which does rhyme with? I think primer. I think primer is better. (laughs) What? I think. I think. I think we've been preaching a primer for Exodus. That, anyways. Don't worry. He's not a pre. He's not in a joking mood. I'm not. I'm. I'm actually still like. I'm. I'm at like an eight right now. Cool. It takes me a while to call Beth. Work that out. (laughs) No. (laughs) I really wish y'all wouldn't fight. (laughs) We don't fight. (laughs) We do sometimes. (laughs) I told. Never mind. Anyways, you guys signed up for, uh, we all signed up for a- <laughs> We signed you up for. Yeah, a Genesis prelude yeah. to Exodus. Because you signed us up for Exodus. No, we, did we? Did we? No. We did not. We, 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 we were carried. <laughs> I love how I would say we. I was carried no, 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 into, we. because if it was a Lawson, Lawson you would have done Genesis. I would have done Genesis first, yeah. Yeah, but Don used his powers, his salesman powers on us. I reminded you. Of I'm that. not upset about it, and I'm. I actually like our trajectory for the next, like this, and then the next book. I like our trajectory there. Yeah, same. Yeah, I like the doctrines that are going to be unpacked. I think they're needful. You're a doctrine. Uh, so what happened is that the um, subject matter for this podcast always seemingly supplies itself. Mm. And you called me, Lawson, after the uh, Sunday service. We talked about, I don't know, I mean like the depth, the length, the width of the material. Mm. The breadth. The breadth of the material. And I don't know, was it two days later you called me? Or you text? Maybe it was that night you text. And mm. you said, I'm actually feeling better about Sunday. Oh, uh, because I had, yeah, yeah. Because people were working through yeah, covenantal how, th- theology yeah. versus maybe <clears throat> some historical yeah. experiences or maybe even some present realities of dispensational theology. Sure. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. And, and Blake said, before we started recording, what did you say about dispensationalists? They're our brothers and sisters. Yeah, so we're not here. We're not here to, what's that word that starts with an A? Yeah. Huh. We're not going to go nuclear. You're so. We're not going to go nuclear. <laughs> or Orange Fury. Any Fury, any Fury that comes out in this is overflow. 
Don't don't. I, so that's do you want to take of. time and make up with Beth? I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Always about narratives, never about facts. People can't know. Beth and I are happily married. Bro, just call her. <laughs> Please do. We'll just we'll put it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, gentlemen, I don't have an idiom. Mm, wow. I know. Oh, I know. I know. What? Time to rightly divide. Oh. oh. So, fellas. No. So, gentlemen, let's find out in the rest of this episode if we, what? If we find out. Rightly divide the word of truth. Okay. Mm. I actually feel really good about that one. Yeah. That's good. <clears throat> so, I thought um, what we would do on today's epi is talk about how the past Sunday really kicked us off into, you said something to me, Lawson, that you were like, the covenants are transcovenantal. You said this. No, I said said the moral law is transcovenantal. Okay. Yeah. Which made me think about (laughs) Christ being the fulfillment of the law. All said covenants. True. Mm Mm-hmm. Because so, Christ is the ethos of the land. Well, Christ is the, the yes and amen to all the promises of God. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I want, we wanted to get together and talk about your shared experience around working through dispensational theology, what it means to be covenantal. What is it? I mean, there's a lot that it... Yeah, there is a, a lot. There's, yeah, for lack of better terms, there's boo coodles. Yeah. It's a spectrum. It is a spectrum. It actually is a spectrum. It is, yeah. Because I've presented A.W. <clears throat> Pink's um, presentation on dispensationalism. Which is a scathing. It is. It's a scathing. To yeah. a, um, I would say, an acquaintance that was reformed. I know the a story. A reformed dispensationalist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the individual said, that's not that's not what it is. And you're like. I'm like. It is. Yeah. Yeah, so I think... Lawson, you prepared for today's episode. I prepared to the best of my ability because what I I always want to do, and whenever we're dealing with somebody else's views, I always want to go to their source material. But just to be honest with you, this is one of those that has like a thousand divisions. Mm -hmm. So um, what I did was I pulled up a couple of different things, most of which we're going to agree with. Like, so a lot of this we're going to agree with just... Off, you know, off the bat. I don't want to. Don't yeah, you will. You'll agree with them. Um, because there, there, there's some broadness to them. And some of them will agree with in part, but not in full. Yes, um, Drew, Drew, Drew Thomas just walked in literally as the MVP. In the way of that, let me explain something. Hold on. I got as you sto- hear. I got a funny story. Oh, I got a funny story. Still. I have a funny story. You got to hear this, Drew. I'm liter- I was literally already in so the So Christian Cross, just, we'll pick it back up. So Christian Cross says... You guys have to stop eating mints on the podcast. It is ridiculous. Like, it's out of control. A couple of Sundays ago, he goes up to do the um, prayer, offering prayer, and he comes down, and he and I cross paths, and I go, you know what, man? How dare you? (laughs) I go, you're up there. I'm on a podcast with a mint in my mouth. You're up there doing the offertory prayer with candy. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah, so we can eat popcorn on this show. So just for the record, for the record, and so you you impute the sin to the appropriate place. Not Drew, because Drew is being gracious. Ooh, that's got flavor you, on it. You impugn, you impugn the sin of eating popcorn while being recorded to Don and to Blake 
Lawson is not eating popcorn. Mm. Confirm. Well, somebody's got to talk on the podcast. We're just here to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is actually a summation. <laughs> hilarious now that I'm rolls. <laughs> it smells so good, though. It's good. Yeah. Bye. No, I'm not doing that. All right, go um, Lawson. Go Lawson. All right, so dispensationalism is a spectrum. It goes everything from hard-lined, hard-nosed dispensationalism to a what is commonly referred to now as, I think as made famous by John MacArthur, as a leaky yeah. dispensationalism. Um, which traditionally has to do specifically with eschatology. Um, so that's important. Um, his leaky position. Well, the reason it's leaky is because it it is it doesn't it's not a broad brush acceptance of dispensationalism. It's a recognition mm. of of some esch. It's a statement on eschatology more than it's a statement on anything else, which is important because there are other things that come along with. Um, uh, dispensationalism that like MacArthur would would deny instantly. Actually, his book, The Gospel According to Jesus, was a response to some of the um, soteriology of a number of dispensationalists. Mm. Um, so anyway, uh, that being the case, I'll give you doctrines according to Ryrie. So there's a couple of really important names. Ryrie's one, Schofield's one... I'm trying to think of some others. Um, I inherited these. like four Ryrie study I'm sure Bibles you did. from my family. Um, I, uh, They're pristine. Isaac Watts. The hymn writer? Yep. Um, no way. There is a, there's somebody in the long legacy of how dispensationalism kind of got its... Darby. 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 That's the run. Yeah, so... Formalized officially by Darby. But here, I'll give you some of the... So this is where we'll agree, right? We, we agree on... We're not having a conversation about cults right now. Let me just clarify it like that. We're not having a conversation about cults. We're not having a conversation about a denomination. We're having conversations about how we understand the correlation between the Old and the New Testament. That's really what we're dealing with. And even mm-hmm. then, the promises that are given, how they relate. Do they relate to a national people? Do they relate to a spiritual people? And then you have answers to dispensationalism that it that, that are going to be answered from like for instance the the Presbyterians and and a, a Reformed Baptist position. So I, I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna speak for the Presbyterians and their answer for it. I actually had a conversation with a couple of guys today trying you to. You don't figure even out. believe they're a real church, so <laughs> okay. Let's just start that all over again, <laughs> shall we? Um, so. Which, you know, what's fun is all my Presbyterian friends are like, yeah, that makes sense. I appreciate your consistency. And then all the Baptists are mad at me. And I'm like, I just said, what? okay. Anyway. Um, I had a seminary professor who said the same thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, so anyway, we can, we can have a conversation about that maybe on a different day. It's important to note that I did not bring that up. Uh, <laughs> this man's literally sitting over here eating popcorn and starting fires. And I'm just, all right. So. Uh, here are a couple of here are a couple of points of uh, their own statements on doctrine. So doctrines according to Ryrie, that means these are things that are essential to um, to uh, dispensationalism according to Ryrie. A hard distinction of Israel and the church, and that those things continue forever. That's the imp- so like I think we talk about the distinction between the church and Israel, and everybody's kind of got categories that launch into their minds as they're thinking about the distinctions. And I think that's appropriate. The The major issue or the place that I think this really comes to fruition is how do we view those perpetually? Up to a point. Huh? That's where I would 
the distinction interject. That, yes, mean? like that we agree up to a point. Up to a point. Right. Right. So th- yeah, there's 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 distinctions to be made. Yet we do not understand that there is a perpetual covenant people of national Israel into eternity. Yeah, like MacArthur, I know for a fact, believes, as many dispensationalists do, right. which is the 144,000 written about in Revelation. Right. That there, Most of the ways you see this played out now um, is if they're touching the Old Testament, you're going to see it played out. If they're touching the New Testament, you will see it explicitly, most normatively, in their eschatology. Mm-hmm. In particularly, a future ingathering of ethnic people. Basically, what will take place in this is there will be a removal of the church, and then God will essentially pick back up with the redemption of Israel on the earth. Um, Which changes your practice. Yes. And how you think about Israel. Yes. It yeah, because yeah. we mentioned it on the last podcast, the mm-hmm. about the missionary strategy, right, of right, right, ministering to the Jews. Yeah, I think that plays out. And, and like, of course, we should be evangelizing Timbuktu, Nepal, somewhere like that. I think it was, somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, we should be evangelizing Chile. Jewish people. But I actually, I have Patagonia. had Patagonia. Yeah, I have, I have actually had a a man who was a Baptist who was a dispensational, and his explicit statement to me: I, "This does not. I do not think that this represents the majority." of dispensationalist. Uh, but I do think it's an interesting perspective. He said, no, the Jews are God's chosen people. We should not be evangelizing them. Ooh. Yeah, and that's that was. I think that that is a hyper view that is is horrendously inappropriate, and I would not impugn that to anyone who called themselves a dispensationalist. However, I, like, I've heard it go that extreme. Hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, doctrines according to Ryrie, a hard distinction of Israel and the church, um, a literal hermeneutic of all of all areas of scripture. And when we say literal, we mean literal, like hard-lined, literal interpretations. That means that'll play out a little bit later in regard Read to that her- again. A hard-lined literal interpretation of scripture. Now, this is where it this- I met a dispensational missionary that came to Longview Point mm-hmm. and he was dead set on that the beast in Revelation was literally going to come out of the water. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I, I believe that they said that. I mean, um, and so and so like that's. I mean, I, I mean, like, I agree. It, it, like we I literally believe that too, but yeah. we literally believe that it's applied. Um, yeah, we we literally believe it's true. We don't think it works itself out like that. Right. Yeah, and and so like that's where that's where I think one of the reasons you don't get many liberal dispensationalist, mm-hmm. which is, a this is, you can't, yeah, you just can't. And actually the reason, interestingly enough, it bled into Baptist life based upon fundamentalism mm-hmm. because it was like, oh, we can stand with these people because they do believe the Bible, mm-hmm. which is a, 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 an incredible selling point, right? Um, so a literal hermeneutic of all areas of scripture. This is the grammatical historical interpretation. Um, and many, not all, and right. I'm, Huh? Locked. locked. Yeah, locked. That's the important part of this because we would hold to a grammatical historical interpretation, but we would say that a grammatical historical interpretation, that is reading the Old Testament specifically with a hard-nosed literalism, um, is is not a is not a bad thing. It's an incomplete thing. What we need is the redemptive historical that comes in the light of the New Testament. Well, yeah, I would say, though, that they would see all scriptures as equally, what's the word, like, Thinking of, they're not going to read the Old Testament through a New Testament lens. Exactly. That's actually that's a that's a point we'll get to. That's okay, coming sorry. up. No, you're fine. Um, so finally, or just my and this is where and this is where we'd agree. This is where we would just com- completely a hundred percent yes and amen. 
so one of the doctrines according to Ryrie in regard to dispensationalism is that the glory of God is the underlying purpose of history. Yes and amen. Amen. Yes, yes and amen. All right, so let me give you some more because, I, I, again, I'm doing my best to represent their own positions. Uh, John Feinberg's doctrines, he lists six. Multiple senses of Jew and seed of Abraham. So he, he recognizes that. Um, he reaffirm, we reaffirm, oh, the Bible reaffirms and does not reinterpret the Old Testament. So while we appreciate that perspective, I, I think the outworking of that we would disagree on. So where they would say it reaffirms, we would say uh, it, it reaffirms, but it also clarifies, clarifies and builds yeah. out. Um, so unconditional promises to national Israel must be fulfilled with national Israel, which we agree with there as well. However, um, they would say that the promises have not actually come to fruition as of yet. So like they're awaiting future promises in regard to the land, in regard to nation. And we would say based upon passages like Joshua, uh, I believe it's Joshua 31. They would say that that was incomplete in comparison. Incomplete promises, yeah. Um, And and it is important to like isolate this directly into – the physical nature of this, but like Joshua 21, which we obviously believe, uh, Joshua 21, 43 through 45, thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers and they took possession of it and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. So, we take that to mean that the promises of God actually came to fruition and any further promises that we would have, like we can recognize that in Joshua, like kings had not come as of yet, but we can also recognize that all the promises that had to do with the people entering into the promised land and finding rest there actually did come to fruition. And so we get to the Davidic era and we see the promises of God to Abraham being fulfilled in David becoming a king, like or not even necessarily David, but we find this really in Saul that kings will come from you. And so the promises of God have actually come to fruition. And then there is a final yes and amen to all the promises of God, which is Christ. And that's where we would have some disagreement about like, well, what future promises um, are there? And we would say there's none. There's no more promises to be fulfilled except in the coming of Christ. Um, but, but that's not a reinstitution of the nation of Israel or anything of that nature. So um, unconditional promises to national Israel must be fulfilled with national Israel. Fourth, um, there is a distinct future for national Israel. And by national Israel, I do mean a distinct ethnic people. Um, The church is a distinct organism, meaning that we make a division between Israel and the church that does last on. Um, And then a historical understanding is a... um, Let me rephrase that. A historical understanding. So how do we understand history? It is a gradual implementation and outworking of of the kingdom. So like we can we can agree with that how it works out is different. So th- to summary, two major distinctions, right? So hermeneutic is hard grammatical historical, and then secondly, the distinction, the major distinction, the hardline distinction between church and Israel. Mm. Um, so those are some of the major ones. Uh, any any thought? Well, so how I how I summarize these. And, I, and, I, and when, I'm, when I'm working through someone else's position, I want to summarize it in a way that they would say yes and amen to. Of course. I hope that I did that. I actually don't have a whole bunch of dispensational friends, not because I don't love them, but because I just, I just don't have them. Yeah. Um, 
so here's here's how I here's how I worked through this, or here's the theological convictions that I kind of landed at. All the promises of God must be fulfilled spiritually, physically, and nationally, literally in regard to the promises. And this must be fulfilled with the national people. So land, culture, all of that must be established. Secondly, ethnic Israel as a whole will be redeemed in the future. There's debate about how that plays out. So they take the phrase, um, in this way, all Israel will be saved from Romans 11. Mm -hmm. And they essentially work out from there. Okay, well, what does it mean that all Israel will be saved? I think that that's a misreading of Romans 11, but that's a different different category we can talk about later. And to be fair... Your explanation of Genesis 11 is not widely believed. I th- I think Genesis that, 11 specifically. What? Genesis, did I say Genesis? Sorry. Genesis yeah, you're talking about Romans, Romans, Romans 11. 11. Uh, Rom- I mean, I, I think 11. I think that may be the case. I found I found good people that of agree course, with me. Of course, but I'm yeah, saying yeah, like yeah. you were not in as much company as you typically are when you're that's fair. That's when fair. You're preparing. Yeah, a my my interpretation of Romans two and Romans eleven are perhaps more more minor. Mm-hmm. But I would remind everyone that majority. Yeah, never equals accuracy. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, obviously. Anyway, uh, so finally, which may actually be finally, it's not. Uh, church, I got to kill it. <laughs> church really as do. existing because it, because it denotes you're actual people information. Like a, you're giving, giving people yeah. like, dang, we're going to get to lunch on time. Whoa, Whoa, like, we're 15 minutes in. He's hitting finally. Guys, I was I joking. There's going to be 37 minutes. more minutes. And sometimes my finally is to the primary point. Yeah, but you got to like delineate. In summary. In summary. In conclusion. Okay. To summarize this point. Mm-hmm. I'll work on it. Thanks. Uh, church as existing exclusively in the New Testament. We don't see the church in the Old Testament. We don't, and even in the, like as you're looking into the uh, eschaton, there's again, maintained distinctions. Finally, Israel church distinctions means that promises and covenants made with Israel cannot find their fulfillment with the church. Meaning that the promises that are made to Abraham, for instance, none of those can find their fulfillment within the church of Christ. Hmm. They have to find their fulfillment inside of national Israel. Can I read a, two sure. paragraphs yeah, out of yeah. a brief article? Yeah. This is from Ligonier. He's mentioning Darby. Yeah. Which many people lay dispensationalism at the feet of Darby. Darby is the one who founded it. Yeah. Like being the founder. Yeah. So Ligonier mentions he being the founder. And he, um, he reached a few significant conclusions during that time, and we can summarize these in two main points. The first is that the church and Israel are two distinct groups, two distinct identities, and two distinct futures. Acts 2 is a stop in God's dealing with Israel, according to Darby, and it begins a new dispensation. The church, and that is instituted from Acts 2 to the event that he understood as the rapture, and that's the church age. The second conclusion that Darby reaches is that the church is in ruins, awaits a forementioned event of the rapture as the church's only hope. Put these two together now, and you can see Darby's influence. Again, he's the founder of dispensationalism, so here we go. Covenant theology stresses the unity of the people of God and the unity of the Bible. The one covenant, the covenant of grace, is the overarching structure. Dispensationalism stresses the two distinct peoples of God, Israel and the church, and the discontinuity of the Bible— the dispensations distinct and different, that is the overarching structure of the Bible for dispensationalism. I, I read this because I wanted to get to this. Also, the hallmark of dispensationalism is eschatology. Remember his conclusion that the church is in ruins? So we have the church age, the current age, 
and things get worse and worse, and then Christ comes back to rapture his church. Then comes seven years of tribulation, Revelation 16 through 19, and all that, and then Christ comes back as the second coming, and then comes the thousand-year reign, the millennium, and in this dispensational scheme that's followed by the great white throne of judgment, and then the eternal state, and that is what is called dispensational premillennialism. Premillennialism. Hugely popular in the 20th century church, and its founder was John Nelson Darby. I, these things are like intertwines, like why we have the biases and a lot of people no, like, I don't agree. think I, like take the time mm-hmm. to study like what it is that I believe and why do I believe it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know what I'm yeah, because I mean, I think that we are formed often by stories mm-hmm. and I think maybe one of the greatest, or maybe, maybe I'll say this way, one of the most forming stories in, uh, in theology in the last 50 years was the left behind series. Yes. Mm. And and that's, and that's really strange to say, because I'm not saying that it's a good influence, but I'm saying that it most certainly is an influence. The vast majority of people's eschatology, at least in the culture that we live in is formed first and foremost by a story that they were told in a series of books that they read. I grew up in the teeth of that. Me too. Me too. Like I, I remember, like I have, like I remember my sister's bookshelf had all of the different books and they had matching covers, you know, and, but I don't want to get lost in the weeds there though, but, but nonetheless, that is, that is a practical outworking uh, of, of a dispensational theology. Um, not, not to the letter. I don't think anybody would claim that it is to the letter. However, I think that it, it, it does give pictures that inform your eschatology and that's, that's unhelpful. I was thinking about this today because of I've gotten like three messages about the Euphrates River drying up. Oh, I got I got these a while back. And it was like, it, did it dry up a while back? Yeah, it dry, like somebody was talking to me about this like literally a year and a half ago. Oh, dang. Well, I got a message about, two messages about it today. And like the idea that like, because the, that river is drying up, Christ is about to return. Yeah. Like that being, I don't know. I feel like that is symptomatic mm, sure. of what, kind of we have inherited from um, Left Behind. Yeah. Which is a, a literal reading of the biblical text. It is. Right. But it, it it encourages kind of a reading of the times. Yeah. yeah. People have said like, yeah, it's it's reading your Bible in your newspaper. Hand in hand. Hand in which hand. is dangerous okay. in, the, in the sense that the outworking of that is, I think it lends toward like conspiracy. You know what I'm saying? In the sense that like, I don't want to accuse anyone of anything, but I'm saying it, it lends toward like, I'm, I have this higher knowledge that, that you don't have. Mm. So listen to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I think too, like it's being cheap and fast with the Bible. Super fair. Because I, I don't think people really, yeah. I, I think by and large, like we operate in a lot of, assumptions and biases and what we were raised in and you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. how we were raised and it's mm-hmm. not like reading learning to read the bible for all it's worth and mm-hmm. understanding like why would you find the Euphrates river mentioned in Genesis why do you find it mentioned in Revelation mm-hmm. why 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 are the people of God moving mm-hmm. through the land geographically and these cities are named and mm-hmm. you know to me it's like you you get to this point of reading scripture for all it's worth and understanding that like the consummation of the kingdom is the mm-hmm. ushering in the, the church home. And you're seeing these geographical landmarks being used to mark their journey, which is an example for the, you know, for the church. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, ah, oh, like these things are to be spiritually interpreted 
not literally with my newspaper in hand because yeah. it can lead you into fear mongering. Like I grew up in a generation where it was like, hey, dude, you need to hear this guy preaching because he's using the mark of the beast towards like scientific exploration and like they're already working on things that are going to swell. I mean, I took all this stuff in. Dude. Yep, like my, bro. my number one question when I was a youth minister was what's the mark of the beast? I it's kid the you not. Thing, dude. Yeah. I went to see David Jeremiah preach at the FedEx Forum. Wow. When I was in high school. Of holy course you did. Holy. Of wow. my grandparents. And I remember leaving there terrified, <laughs> you know, because I was like kind of in the throes of like doubting my own salvation. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, Jesus is going to come back in the next 45 minutes mm-hmm. and I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that was mm-hmm. kind of my, my to walk away from that. Mm. So I want to, I want to get to, like okay, so let's let's take we'll take pieces of this because I think the two that are going to be most prominent are the way we read the Bible, and then secondly, um, how we view the church. I think those are the big two. So, um, in regard to, I love this show, like a grammatical this particular episode. Yeah, I love <laughs> so like in regard to a grammatical historic, and I, and again, I'm making reference to a hard lined grammatical historical hermeneutic. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes there is um, one of the charges, I'll say this, one of the charges that uh, the people who fall more into the covenant theology camp will receive. They'll receive that we, or they'll charge us with ignoring the grammatical historical interpretation and simply reading into the text something that is not there. Mm. So I, I hear and, and receive that challenge because I think, I think it, it's very it's very possible, and I think many men do it, where they take a literal reading of the text and they ignore what the literal reading of the text says. What the where where we would disagree is that there is spiritual meaning to a text, and I would argue that we have that heritage from the apostles. Yeah, and and from their immediate forebears. I mean, you yeah. have like early church fathers who are seeing the the scriptures allegorically. Mm-hmm in ways that in many ways a dispensationalist would be very uncomfortable with. Right. And I mean, as Baptists, we, we hold to um, a new Testament priority. Mm-hmm. So for instance, what, what the new Testament says about the old Testament is what the old Testament says. Mm-hmm. Like, and there, and there's, there never should be a time where we're ashamed to say that. So for instance, this week preaching through Abraham, um, one of the things that, that they'll charge with is the Old Testament is not like Genesis. Galatians is not looking at you and telling you that Genesis isn't about Isaac. And it's like, no, no, I, I know that it's not. Like, I understand that it's about Isaac. I'm telling you the New Testament is telling you that it's about more than Isaac. Don't you think, though, that part of that is that with a Calvinistic understanding of God, yeah. that you, it's easier for you to make the jump that the sovereignty of God would include multiple meanings in, this, in these I think the spiritual meaning in and of itself, like this is where I think the the error happens. Uh, Renahan, I think, really helpfully uh, talked about this as I was kind of thinking through and working through this. Is um, the he, he made a distinction of the disp- like the error of the dispensationalist, and then the error of the presby- the, the Pado Baptist. Mm-hmm. And so he says this: uh, the dispensationalist overemphasizes physical nature of. Um, Physical nature, my handwriting is atrocious. <laughs> oh, in regard to Abraham, uh, the dispensationalists over overemphasized physical nature of his line to the exclusion of new covenant revelation. Mm. 
the pedo-baptist, he, he says, it overemphasizes the spiritual nature of the Abrahamic covenant and underemphasizes the nature of its national promises. Mm. And so where we have to recognize the fact that there are very clearly na- mm-hmm. national promises that are meant to be fulfilled inside of the Abra- uh, Abrahamic covenant. Like we would have to say that God promised that they would walk into Canaan. If God did not fulfill the promise of them walking into Canaan, then God broke his covenant. Yep. Um. And so like we understand there's a physical there's physical nature to this but we also understand that it is not just a physical nature that there's a spiritual nature to that as well that the new testament gives full light on there's a there's a a better promised land there's mm-hmm. um a better people there's a uh um a um a better sign like the list goes on and so in all of these things what we have to be able to do is not fall into the ditch on the left or to the right, but instead say, okay, I want to understand this from the way that Abraham, as he's receiving it, understands that there is going to be a promised offspring. There is going to be Isaac, one who's going to receive the promises. Uh, Eleazar is not going to be my inheritor or my heir. Uh, 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 Isaac will be. And at the very same time, we look at Galatians and we read the gospel was preached to Abraham. Hmm. And I say, all right, guys, it seems like the gospel was preached to Abraham. (laughs) You know, I've heard um, somebody wrote, I've read this once, I don't know where to cite so it. So one second. And that not figuratively, we say that Abraham understood yeah. the mm-hmm. promises of God. Sorry, go mm-hmm. ahead. So that the, like people that encountered historical Jews would be, you know, reading the book of Isaiah and say like this unto us, a child is born. Mm, Immediately yeah. you think. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. But that was also dealing with a near-term promise. Yep. Yeah, and so you how do you do, say his name? It's the longest name in the Old Testament, isn't it? Oh, uh, I don't know. I can't say it. I'll look it up. I'm but, not gonna try. But that's that's the way. Like that. Yeah. That was the, I guess the um, unfortunate way that the text was being dealt with evangelically yeah. is that it was moving past the historical reality that mm-hmm. a Jew would read that and go, no, historically, I know that that had to deal with near term, and, right. and in Abraham's case, Isaac. Yeah. Right, and we're not nullifying that, Never. that to be factual, yeah. historical, and, and a reality of God's promise, but yet there was more. Yeah, so like uh, uh, A.W. Pink's quote is really helpful here. It's, it's, it's a little spicy, but it says, dispensationalism denies the children their bread. Hmm. Um, and it, it's to say that like when we look at that, to say that it only has to do with Isaac— I mean, at a certain point, it's just a denial. Well, he's using a play on words too, and yeah. metaphorically, he's yeah. saying like that. Jesus said, "I am, am the, bread the bread. Yeah, I'm the manna." So when yeah. mm-hmm. when you read the story, what you're denying yourself is the true children, right? The true bread from heaven, right? And so, like, as you're looking at this, we we have to see, like, okay, we're dealing with we're dealing with Isaac, but I'm not I'm not permitted. Nor does like the New Testament doesn't permit me mm-hmm. to stop at that proclamation. I must be able to say in the same voice, "Oh, the promised offspring is Isaac. Mm. The promised offspring is Jesus." Mm. And those are not those are not contradictory. Those mm-hmm. are those are true simultaneously. And so, where the dispensationalist might go wrong is to say, "No, these are specifically, and all of the promises are given specifically to um, Abraham." So, for instance, the promise, and I think this is a fair question. You ask the question, "How is it?" that the whole world is blessed through the nation of Israel. Well, we have the answer to that in the man Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. But we also understand that that carries forward to the covenant community that is the church. So it's not only promised to Jesus, it's promised to all of his offspring. And Isaiah 53 beautifully puts it that that he will see his offspring. Um, we understand without, I mean, with great confidence, Jesus had no biological offspring. Mm-hmm. Now, 
he has an offspring without number that flow from his finished work on the cross. Bringing many sons to glory. Yeah, bringing many sons to glory. And so um, we need to be able to convey like, okay, this is like we, 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 we receive and grasp the grammatical historical all the while understanding that we do not stay there. It's incomplete. It's incomplete. We move into a brighter, clearer mm. um, revelation. We're not looking at it with veiled faces or in a dim mirror. We're looking at it in full light, unveiled, being able to see it as a whole. Mm. And so that leads us into, like the reason that's important is because it, where, where a dispensationalist would make a clear distinction forever, this is the really key note, that they would make a distinction forever between Israel, national Israel, and the church. Well, the position, the position that I hold and I mean, obviously, I believe this is what the Bible teaches, but the position that I hold is that that Israel reaches a point of termination. Um, and I'm speaking of the ethnic people of Israel at this point. Um, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I think that's the purpose of Romans. I think the Romans is to essentially tell the Jewish people, stop holding on to your national heritage and start holding on to the anchor of your faith, Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of all the promises of God. He is the yes and amen. Um, and so I don't think that what we have is a perpetual continuation of the church and next to it, um, national or ethnic Israel. The people of God today is the church. The people of God forever is the church. And so as I reach back into the Old Testament, obviously the ethnic people of Israel are there. But there are also in the Old Testament elect, and those members of the elect are members of the church, like yeah, the ecclesia. They, yeah, they they're they're a part of the called out ones. All the benefits of the new covenant are applied to them, though some of them they are awaiting to receive. So, for instance, the individual. That's why Spurgeon says the Pentecost of every believer. They- um, and so you know, he's never going to get over that one. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. Dude. Yeah, it is. But, but so like what I, what I think is really important to notice is that as you're making your way into the new Testament, we, we see, we see God fulfill the promise to Israel in the coming of the Messiah. He's taken Jesus. He's essentially placed him in, for lack of better terms, a vehicle, the way that I like <laughs> to think about it is an ark. Mm-hmm. And as he places him in the ark of the covenant people of Israel, mm-hmm. he is ushering him in mm-hmm. to be born when the fullness of time has come, born mm-hmm. under the law to redeem those who are under the law. And at that moment, what you have is the anchor point, the, the promised seed has come. And the way that you are a member of the people of God, that is to say the church, is no longer about your relationship to Abraham according to the flesh. It's about your relationship to the promised offspring according to faith. There is no continuation at this point. This is mm-hmm. what I would say. There is no continuation mm-hmm. of the people of Israel. There is a formation of the church. And so the we're not dealing true, the true Israel. And this is, where, this is where a lot of people get up in arms about this. We're saying that the church is the fulfillment. Is it, it, like when, we looking at, when we're looking at the old covenant people of Israel, we're looking at a shadow. Mm-hmm. It's not the substance. Mm-hmm. It's not the fullness of the people of God. It's not the pure, better fellowship. It is meant to be shadows, which means that it is not going to be as good as the substance. Mm-hmm. And when the substance come, it doesn't come by fleshly means. It comes to the finished work of Christ. And all of those from every tribe, tongue, and nation, again, which I would say is the fulfillment of to bless the nations. Again, Isaiah, uh, I believe it's Isaiah 49. 
I could be mistaken there, but I believe it's Isaiah 49 that says it's too light of a thing for you to be a light to the Gentile, to the Jews only. You must be a light to the nations. Uh, I think Paul includes Romans eleven twenty two because I think as the listeners hearing this, I think a lot of times like our our um, disposition towards kindness and severity of God that portion mm-hmm. okay because he's dealing with like yeah. as you've read about the people right that God is forming. He's specifically saying, like, read the verse. Oh, sorry. This is, I, you jumped me a little bit. It's all right, though. 22? Yeah. 11. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. I think he's dealing with, like, a lot of times I think, like, people are looking back over that Old Testament formation of people, and they can't. Mm. I think what they're dealing with is, the kindness and severity of God. The severity, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah, like I'm convinced like Paul includes that because because of where the human mind is. Like, okay, well, you know, it's it's hard to wrap your mind around that that, you know, the Exodus people, right, are formed, mm-hmm. promised to Abraham that this will come to pass. Four hundred and you know, four hundred years later, they're gonna be set out of a of captivity and and you move these people into the wilderness and yeah. because of their unbelief, they fall. Right. But in your mind, right, you're thinking, if you read that story just on face value and like get, give somebody just a consensus like, nope, all the people left land of Egypt, they all entered into the promised land. But that's not, that's not what happened. You know what I'm saying? That's not yeah. what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And later in both, uh, I think it's early in Hebrews, like the author of Hebrews uses that narrative. Yeah, in three and four. As a perpetual example right. of salvation. Of going to his rest. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a really important verse in this that I think it, it is the crux of Romans 9, 10, and 11. You miss this. I think you miss the overarching theme of Romans 9, 10, and 11. Um, so it's, it, 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 to me, it's very similar to that passage in Joshua. In Joshua 21, when it talks about all the promises of God coming to fruition. So Romans 9, the, the question that's been posed is, has God been faithless to Israel? Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is what Paul's response is. Again, a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? This is what he says. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said, about this time next year, you will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue. A key point in all of this is our doctrine of soteriology, not because of works, but because of him who calls. She who told the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. That is to say, Paul's understanding, which... For clarity, as it's being pinned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we take as absolute. And what he's saying is, guys, God was faithful. Like all of the promises of God have come to fruition. It literally, I mean, I I would almost picture Paul gesturing. He's like, do y'all not see him? Like the premise is like he's delivered the good promises. He's like the oracles, like those were important. They mattered. There was much benefit in every way for you to have those. And now the fullness has come and he's telling, he's essentially telling them, don't go back. Like, don't, mm-hmm. I think that's the whole premise of the book of Hebrews anyway. And so like, which is written by Paul as well. And, um, and so, and so in, in Romans nine, he's essentially saying, don't impugn the character of God. Mm-hmm. 
God has been faithful. The mm-hmm. word of God has not failed. It's accomplished all of its purposes. What you always missed is that it wasn't a promise that every single individual attached to Abraham's flesh yep. would partake in the promise. It's a promise that every single individual who modeled themselves after Abraham's faith, they would receive the promises of God. I think well, one thing you said really helpful on Sunday was, and this reminds me, that you have to take Jacob, you have to take Abraham. Mm-hmm. For those of the faith of Abraham, right, and go to go to John one. Yep. For he gave them the right to become right. the children of God, not born of the flesh. What is it? Not born of blood. Not born of the will of man. But other of man. than the will of yep. Uh, essentially, the, the, and it's implying the will implying and the blood it. of God. It is implying it. I agree. Um, yeah, absolutely. And this this is the other thing to note: God's exclusion of Israel is not an explicit exclusion. So like what I mean by that, like the generation is under judgment based upon their rejection of the Messiah. Again, John 1, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. There is clear judgment and there's judgment all throughout the Old Testament uh, against the people of God and their rebellion and unbelief. There is a clear cycle that takes place. And this is why I have a more preterist view of Romans 11 in the sense that, that a partial hardening has come upon Israel. The reason I hold that view is because I think it's, I think it's the... Um, the mode of operation that you see throughout the Old Testament. And as you're entering in the new, you're entering into the establishment of a new covenant. Mm. And so we're still to some degree, not functioning totally right under the old covenant, but these people were doing old covenant things. Mm. And what he's saying in that text is saying like you, the Messiah came, all the promises of God are staring you in the face and you're like, don't want it. And you go back to the old. I mean, Jesus says that in John, right? Where he's talking to, he quotes Isaiah 6 and says mm-hmm. that seeing they won't see and hearing they won't understand. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, then earlier in Romans, like Paul early says, um, salvation was to the Jew first and then to, yep. And also to the Gentile. So right. he's mm-hmm. even presenting uh-huh. that Christ descended, mm-hmm. you know, within the lineage. What's the word? I mean, descended in the flesh, the, yeah. the flesh of Israel. Well, Jesus says to that, uh, that woman, Who's not a Jew? He she, he says like, should I give the bread, the children's bread to the dogs? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. And she says, even the dogs eat crumbs right. from the master's table. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I haven't found faith like this right. in all of Israel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think this is helpful too. Like looking at um, looking at uh, Romans three again. This is not a statement of excluding outright. <clears throat> The, uh, the Jewish people, and, I, and I'll read this quote from Renahan a minute again, really helpful, which obviously you can tell I've gleaned a lot from him in this. But uh, Romans, Romans 3, 27 and following, then what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the, and this, I'm going back to something you, you, you harped on when we were going through this book, and appropriately so. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. And what he's essentially saying there is, you can, you can like, if you're, if, if you're uh, born into the ethnic Israel, you're not excluded from this covenant based upon the fact that you're born in Israel. Mm-hmm. The Gentiles not excluded because they are born as a Gentile. There's one means of entry, and that's actually when you get to Romans 11, the question is, well, what is it that substantively connects you to this tree? Belief. Mm-hmm. Always been the reality. And so 
It's important to note that there is not a blanket judgment to the exclusion of every single ethnic Jew in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have many a ethnic Jew brought into the New Covenant. Right. If we don't, then we don't have the apostles. Right, exactly. <laughs> Um, but uh, again, th- this quote was really helpful to me in my thinking through the old and the new covenant and, and the reality that and this is the language that I like, that Israel terminates into the church. Mm-hmm. Like it ceases to like the ethnic people no longer, uh, no longer exist in the sense that, that they are a covenant people of God. Like I understand there are people who are saying like, I'm, I'm an Israelite, I'm a Jew, I'm from Abraham. I, I get that. I'm not arguing with you in regard to eth- uh to your ethnic heritage. What I am saying is this is not the covenant people of God. Um, the covenant people of God is the church. So, but, but this is a helpful statement. The church is the eschatological Israel of old Testament prophecy. The nation of Israel, um, the nation of Israel are, in, the people of Israel are invited to participate in the new covenant church, but the nation of Israel as the nation of Israel no longer exists as the people of God. Um, and that shouldn't like, Looking at this from the perspective of um, of the of dispensationalism, their presupposition is they will always exist as the people of God, and the reason that creates so many problems is because you've got to ask yourself how and what's he going to do with them. Mm-hmm. Because if they are still existing as a covenant people based sheerly on ethnicity, which it seems to me the New Testament takes a bat to on the regular. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a fun game to play too. Okay, and so as we're working through that, you have to ask yourself the question, okay, what are these new covenant people? How, or or what, are the, what are the old covenant people, Israel? How will God, we, it's pre, the New Testament people are really clear. The New Testament people are, are dealt with specifically based upon faith. They're, they're dealt with based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, and they will be redeemed and brought into heaven to enjoy him forever. Then the question has to be asked, what will he do with ethnic Israel if, he is, if they are still his covenant people? Okay. So the fun game I always like to pose to myself, you know, to kind of help frame this on both sides, right? Old, new. Is ask yourself, like, if you were if you were present in Egypt hmm. when you're seeing the plagues, let's yeah. say you are who you are right now. Yeah, I'm going. You're orange for it. I'm you're, out. When they say go, I'm out. You're going, right? Bye. And yeah. you're you're gonna do all the all of the temple stuff. Yep. Just let me in. <laughs> you're gonna do all the temple yep. stuff. We talked about this on in small group. Yeah, not 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 thinking that God is satisfied with the blood of bulls no. and goats. Yeah. But awaiting, like the woman at the well, when mm-hmm. the Messiah comes, yep. He will tell us all things. Yep. Right, He's the one, and yeah. so He's and so He's God's been kind to communicate through mystery, as Romans sixteen teaches. I'll read that too. Um, <laughs> and I have the other side of the coin. What? I mean, you bring 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 Joshua here today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's here. He's he's coming on Sunday. He's gonna sing loud. <laughs> He'd be like, bro, this, this was the rest I was talking about. Yeah. So like Romans 16. Right. 25. Is that fair, Blake? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's absolutely. And that's actually important because this is this is a strange thing for me. Uh, the concept of I want to be really careful here. Blake, be prepared. Help me. All right. So Charles. Um so <laughs> So this is something that I remember in seminary being asked the question, if, if a Jew comes to repentance and faith in Christ, should he leave his synagogue? I have a simple answer to that. Yes. Yeah. And you should make your way into a New Testament church because that is where God is distributing his ordinary means of grace. Mm-hmm. You, they are not to be, they, you are not to go back 
to the old methods, they yeah. have been fulfilled. Yeah, those ordinances are fulfilled. Yes, but I would say the Jewish synagogues have already... Have oh, yeah, in, they're gone. In in term, No, but I'm saying in terms of that, like they are a testimony that they're already fulfilled because they're not doing this stuff Exactly, anymore. they are. You're absolutely right. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I mean, the, if you really want to see a really loud pronouncement of the fact that this is true, show me the temple. Like yeah. what you're making reference to, it's like, we, we think about God's destruction of the temple in AD 70. And, I, and, I, and for some reason, I think we think about it too lightly. And that's a debatable year for dispensationalists. Okay, yeah. fair. But all I'm saying is the, the temple is destroyed. The seat of Jewish worship is ransacked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never been rebuilt. Not going to be rebuilt. Fun fact, the third temple is not a building, uh, at least not a building made with hands. And mm. so that being, that being the case, what we have to understand is, I, man, I just lost my place. I was trying to go back to what I was saying earlier. Oh, no, it happened. dude. Uh, have you said the thing that I had to be careful about? That you had to oh, basically what I'm saying is <laughs> on that, thank you, Blake. You're welcome. On that, there does not need to be a... Let me rephrase. A messianic Judaism is just participation in a local church. <laughs> um, that can like this. This I'm like I understand people want the heritage behind that and all that. They want some of the the. I think it's essentially a going back to various forms of visuals and that type of thing. Again, I think we live in the era of the ear that we're meant to be under the preached word. We're meant to see see the ordinances only the ones that God has given to us in the New Testament. And so, I I, I think I have I have major recoil at those types of things. And I, and I do wonder, I wonder if it is just simple disobedience. Um, that's a wonder, not a, not a point of condemnation. I just think it's a, it's a reasonable question to ask. That's a broad brush. Broad brush, broad brush, of course. So going back to the, why Joshua, why I would, why we would all go in the Exodus mm-hmm. and why Joshua, if he was here today, would participate in a new covenant community that is a local church. Um, Romans. Because Jesus commanded him. Because Jesus commanded him to. Yeah. Hey! Uh, Romans, <laughs> Romans, Romans 16. Joshua. Yeah. Romans 16, <laughs> uh, Romans 16, 25. This is what's being communicated in those, right? So we understand that there's actual things being done. The priest is not arbitrarily doing his task. God's given it to him for a reason. What's the reason? Well, one of them, <clears throat> is verse 25 of Romans where it says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed to the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. What's being done in those old covenant um, people is essentially proclamation through mystery, revelation through mystery. And so as we would see if we were in that era, having been born again by mm-hmm. the finished work of Christ and the Spirit's work, we would see in the sacrifices a better sacrifice to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the error is to say that those those sacrifices were meant to um, were meant to in and of themselves can to 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 administer mm-hmm. the a great, dispensation yeah, of salvation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah. it's interesting because there's a there's a verse that you and I talked about, Lawson, which was Hebrews eleven two, right? And this is the way the people of old mm-hmm. were what's the word? Starts with a C. Receive their commendation. Yeah, the word commendation. Mm. 
And I think that's where it's like, you know, the 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 way of dispensationalists like typically look at these acts of obedience, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. And say, oh, look, they're doing the near-term thing. Oh, this is a great point. They're doing the near-term thing, which communicated to them salvation because they were obeying God. But it's like, even now, it's like, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Sure. Let us not only in word, but indeed, but indeed also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, what does James say? Show me your faith without works. And yeah, I'll, and I'll show, show you my faith by my works. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the same way, like Hebrews 11 too, is like, this is the way the people of old were, what's the word? I keep forgetting it. Receive their commendation. Receive their commendation. Which is well done, good and faithful servant. My good and faithful yep. servant. Like which is which you is the believed, yeah. and therefore you obeyed. But it wasn't that your obedience, your obedience earned you. And I think that's where I have a big hang up. Like, and I don't, I don't want to use that word like supply, yeah. but I, I feel like that's sometimes what's being implied. Yeah, one of the one of the questions I think is worth asking to the dispensationalist is, um, let's say there's a Jew in Israel who perfectly keep to the best of his ability, like Pauline level keeping, mm-hmm. right? The Pauline saying things like, as to the law, blameless, mm-hmm. right? Perfectly keep it without faith. We're, we're, let's, say, let's say we're in the Deuteronomy area, mm-hmm. right? We're at the conclusion of Moses' ministry, making our way into Joshua's. And he, this guy has crushed Which has it. a name of the dispensation. Yeah, the dispensation of that is civil government. No, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mosaic or law. Yep. Um, and so... As you're inside of that, as you're inside of that section of, of history, that man does every single thing he's commanded to do, but he does it without an ounce of faith or looking forward. Will he be saved on the last day? That's the question for the dispensation. Yeah. I'm not one. Well, I think <laughs> the, answer, the answer here is a resounding no. Right. Yes. Like you of can course. you can do everything according to the law. The reality is the law's still shouting over over you, and you you can be Mister Perfect all day long. But I guarantee you, you've broken the law. Like I've got a lot of Bible that tells me that no one keeps it perfectly except for mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That being the case, if you're doing all of those things as a means of self righteousness, mm-hmm. you're going to be damned on the last day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's like we can, so going back to, uh, to Hebrews 11, by the way, Hebrews 11 being a, a crucial uh, portion of scripture in regard to this, but Hebrews 11 places every single individual under the category of without faith, you're going to die in your sin. And so this is what it says about, um, about pleasing God. Now, before he was taken, the speaking of Enoch, now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God mm-hmm. and without faith. It is impossible to please him mm-hmm. for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek, seek him. him. I don't care who you are. I don't <laughs> care what dispensation you might find yourself in without faith, meaning that you seek after God and you believe he rewards those who seek him. There is no salvation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's. I think the author of Hebrews is working out like, hey, this sacrificial system was, was a expression mm-hmm. of those who have been born again and, and by these acts. Yeah. They they were commended, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and yeah. the Hebrews Hall of Faith li- list out there's other before, there's all, the, yeah, before the temple ministry, absolutely. like things that people did, right? Yeah. And I think even now, like you would say, okay, like what is what does that mean for the church? That means for the church, like to be faithful in the instruction that the Lord has left us with, right? Yeah, yeah. do not neglect. I mean, Hebrews moves in the do not neglect to meet with one another, as yeah. is the habit of some. Yep, all the more greet each other. I yep. mean, it's all of this stuff that's like unpacked, you know. 
do this in remembrance of me. Go and make disciples. It's like baptize and teach them all that. And you got to go back. I mean, you got to take people back. Like this is the number one crux yeah. of the matter to me is like, what was Jesus's interpretation? Yeah. He, he looks at him and says, every day, I mean, uh, every, every week in the synagogue, yep. Moses is read. Yep. If they believe Moses. They believe me. They would have believed me. Yep. I mean, he's... And he's he waxes eloquently mm-hmm. over the Sadducees and Pharisees and calls them whitewashed tombs. Yep. He says, "You travel over land and sea to make a proselyte who's twice the the son, son of, of hell, hell than you. you are." Yep. What's interesting about them is all workspace, bro. Yeah, and and it isn't it is important to note like the way that we see the Pharisees conduct themselves. Like I'm convinced of this as regards the the keeping of the law. Nobody did it better than them. Like the I, outward keeping of the outwardly, law. certainly. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. So, but I mean, like you're you're talking about still those those expressions, like inside of inside of the area in which they were in, their demonstration of obedience. Like there was a reason people wanted to be like them, and it was mm-hmm. because it wasn't just because they probably did get rich. It was probably also because they they wanted the they wanted to protect their own souls. Mm. And so they're like, oh, I see that they're doing things this way. And sure, mm-hmm. there would be some who were selfish and desired earthly gain. And there were others who would be like, man, th- they know what to do. They know what to do. And so what you're watching there is people essentially mustering up their own righteousness through, through law keeping. And this is one of the things that is a snare mm-hmm. of the law, right? It either, it, it either condemns the licentious man for his sin or for the one who is self-righteous, it really does continue to indicate to him, you're not going to live up to the standard no matter how hard you try. Mm. And what you see is they're, they, they, they fight tooth and nail for it, and it still is over them. Like, so the other thing them. I think people like have a hard time dealing with is like, all right, well, they pity. And they're like, well, man, like they didn't have a whole lot of information about to differ. who Christ is or whatever. Look what we have. And it's like, friend... If you think this is all based on factual information, and it is, it's all yet, it's all historically true, right? Right. But the cross is folly mm-hmm. to those who are perishing. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. E- even if you have, I mean, to have him in total with the historical reality that all that has come to pass, don't for a second think it's your logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because I think that's where you're going back and like short selling salvation to be a miracle the power of salvation right. is the gospel that's right that's right and so like the gospel was preached to abraham <laughs> why did abraham look forward in faith why did he believe god because the spirit of god worked in him and the gospel was preached that's right and he believed and he believed when god said in yep. you shall all the nations be blessed and every single member of the new covenant are members of the new covenant because they have a faith just like abraham that's right. had and the and which the, is Romans four to me like now when we sing he has the name above all names you know this is that section of scripture in what First Peter mm-hmm. where he says all you know uh, the prophets were carried along and yeah. they all they all looked at what mm-hmm. those prophetic writings would have been and right. I'm paraphrasing the sufferings and the subsequent glories and wanted to know the yeah. person and the time yep like who is this. Right. Like, who is this? And like, even those in the temple that were serving night and day uh, in, you're talking, early in Luke, the like, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. and like the spirit had communicated to me that Simeon, I will see. Simeon and Anna? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, ah, you can take those me are, home now. Yeah, you can, he says, you can out. take me home. Yeah. I've so seen cool. it. It yeah. is. And so yeah. it's like, I don't know. I don't know why we get caught up in sometimes like granting court to considering dispensations of, I don't know, bro, like almost works-based stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I agree. 
So from there, I think we do have to lead into like, so we have a covenant people. The covenant people is the church. Like that, uh, that, that is, I would say that is the consistent historical biblical view. I mean, we have to remember dispensationalism is a modern invention. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to take a shot there. Like new things that happen can be true. It's rare, but it can be. Um, um, sometimes. So, but from that, if we, if we do have two different covenant people, this is where you get a dispensational premillennialism, right? Now, I want to be clear. There's a vast distinction between premillennialism, historic premill, and dispensational premill. Mm-hmm. But to, to just touch dispensational premillennialism, the basic presupposition is what takes place, and this is by Ryrie's own, own, own statement, and full disclosure, like I, I should have a citation. I don't. Forgive me. You can please fact check me on this, and if I'm wrong, I will retract it. But the basic disposition is this, that in the New Testament era, God is dealing with his church. From there, as and dispensational premillennialism is uniquely pessimistic. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we agree that the church is going to go to heaven, but speaking of the world, it's, it's very pessimistic concerning the world. Okay, so basically what takes place here is this. The church is being dealt with inside of the New Testament, and then as you reach the point of a, of a, of a secret rapture, essentially, the people will be taken, the church will be taken out of the world, and then you will have God begin to deal with Israel according to their nationality again. Now, the faithful, which I would probably say is the majority. I'm going to say the majority. The majority of dispensationalists who hold to this view do not believe that God is going to deal redemptively with Israel through some secondary or tertiary means other than Jesus. Um, I, I'm 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 couching that because I, I think in general yeah, that's we don't true. Now, unpack that, huh? Yeah, we don't even want to unpack that. No, if, if, if I'll be honest with you, if you There's believe hyper everything, right? yeah. But if you if you believe that God is going to deal redemptively with national Israel apart from the finished work of Jesus Christ. Well, the reason why they you're levying you're yeah. you're easing into this is because there are there are people in that camp that do believe that during that period Christ will descend as essentially reigning high the priest king. and king, yeah, and they will reinstitute the sacrificial system, the sacrificial system, and the 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 statement is then that it's not salvific. It it is an act of worship. They're bringing glory into the right. temple. So we right. we we take that and say, bro, anything that's blood, we it's out. heinous. Yeah, bro, it's right. like yeah. a hard pass. Yeah. So, um, and then again, then again, like, yeah, I'll just leave that alone. So yeah, so that being the case, Blake's over there nodding because he's scared, and I appreciate <laughs> it. He's being scared for me. Um, I'm not scared. I just like I you're think, protecting me. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. We don't have time to get. We don't it. think you're being cavalier. Oh, good. Okay. What do you think I'm being? Are you being serious? No, uh, no I am being okay. serious. So, so <laughs> we don't think you're yeah. being cavalier. So all that to say, then you have the people of Israel dealt with based upon their ethnicity over and against the church. And you have two distinct people, mm-hmm. um, which is problematic. Now, I will tell you, I'm not 100% sure what that plays out with in eternity. Yeah. Um, so I don't know exactly how that plays out. I'll make that confession. Um, but in general, what you're dealing with here is God dealing with people, one based upon uh, faith. And this is where I think most are going to push back against me, but I still think that this is the reality. One, they're dealing, one God is dealing with based upon faith and faith alone. The other one, God is dealing with based upon ethnicity 
and ethnicity alone. Mm-hmm. Um, because he is he is essentially dealing redemptively with the people based upon who they're naturally connected to. And then and the New Testament absolutely obliterates that argument. Like over and over and over again, it makes the point that God does not deal with men based upon their ethnic heritage. God deals with men based upon their belief and their faith. Now, an important thing to note from at least the the more Calvinistic perspective is God deals with people based upon the faith that he births in them. Mm. This is the beauty and superiority of the new covenant. Like we're not going and presenting to God our ethnic heritage. We're going and presenting to God that which he has birthed in us. Uh, Richard Sibbs, and I thought about this after the sermon on Sunday. Man, it br- I was like, oh, I should have included this. Richard Sibbs has a beautiful quote that says... Shouldn't you could have gone to double finally. Yeah, double finally. <laughs> it would have been quadruple <laughs> at that point. Uh, Richard Sibbs <laughs> has a quote so beautifully put that says, in the new covenant, God only requires what he gives, gives what he requires, mm-hmm. and accepts what he gives. Mm-hmm. And that's the superiority. Like where in the, where in the Abrahamic covenant, for instance, it's, hey, all these promises are going to come pass. You don't get to participate in them unless you're covenantally mm-hmm. obedient. In the new covenant, oh, you're born again into this covenant you're born again based upon what I've provided you. You will participate based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. All the promises are yours. And, yes and, amen. and you're, yeah. And it's all based upon a covenant previously ratified yep. by God, which yep. is signed by him yep. before time. And opened, on, and, and opened in the book of Revelation. Yep. Open it, crack it open. Whose names are in there? Yep. So, but that's not all. So, all dispensationalists wouldn't believe that. At the end of the age, they'll be dealt with according to their ethnicity, right? So, because I've heard the explanation that there will be a mass salvation of Israelites at the end of the age by faith in Christ. No, I agree with. So, like, yes, when when a a faithful, a I'm trying to think the best way to say this, a dispensationalist who I think is well grounded, yeah, is going to say, no, I believe that in the last day there will be a great multitude of ethnic Israel be brought into the covenant by repentance and faith in Jesus right. Christ. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was just making sure. Which is I their think, reading I of think that's, Romans, Romans 11. 11. Yeah. I think that that's the majority view. Okay. The issue is You're you saying cannot... Es- outsiders. No, I'm saying you cannot escape the reality... Oh, that it is. They're getting an extra chance. It's the for their ethnic ethnicity. people. Yeah, like right. you're essentially taking the argument that Romans makes mm-hmm. and essentially disbarring it from ethnicity, yeah, yeah. and then Romans 11 is restructuring it and saying, yeah, oh, no, which no, no, is no. weird because He's deal we've encountered with, the with other itself. people before. We've had this conversation, yeah. and it's like all of a sudden it's like you get this entire argument, and then you, you, I think you personally pivot, yeah, right, in yeah. two verses, yeah. and in this way, yeah, all Israel yeah. will be saved, and it's like. Bro, he just got laid out. Like, who true Israel is? Israel is yeah. of the heart, not mm-hmm. of the flesh. It's I still like, think I still think that argument in Romans Romans nine, ten, and eleven is based upon the fact that they take that statement in this way, all Israel will be saved, and they take it as a new thought and carry it down, as opposed to they take it as a crescendo of the previous thought and and, and are working from nine all the way to that, and that being the pinnacle moment, the mic drop of. In this way, all Israel will be saved, meaning that the gospel will go to the Jew. The Jew will then reject it. The Gentiles will be brought in. Then as the Gentiles are brought in, some Mm -hmm. of the elect Israel will be brought to jealousy and then to repentance. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Mm -hmm. And then the way in which like the the statement is, and out of Zion, speaking of Christ, Mm -hmm. comes the promised Messiah. Mm -hmm. He is the the Redeemer. Mm -hmm. So um, Many nations. Yeah, exactly. Israel Israel is now a nation among many nations. 
Indeed, indeed. And they if are... If you want to look at them ethnically yeah, in, in the lens of the gospel. Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think it's a demonstration still that the faithfulness of God um, to... I mean, it is, it is really unique and incredible to see the, 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 the ethnic heritage of Israel still mm-hmm. being something to be held on to. Um, I, think, I think some of that has like... Um, like in the best possible sense, it's got, man, like for the, for the one who's believed on Jesus, mm-hmm. it's got like, man, the Lord was so faithful to bring me in. And I think you can even look at that from the perspective of so many were, so many did not see the promise. So mm-hmm. many were not the, the elect of national Israel. And here I am in the new covenant mm-hmm. by God's grace. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's what we all say. Mm-hmm. We all are professing like the oracles of God weren't delivered to our ethnic people. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, He's taken um, unbelieving Gentiles, birth faith in them, and then grafted them into mm. the Israel of God. And thus we are the covenant people. Mm. I think that's our finally. So finally. in conclusion, somebody has a Bible verse and your Bible's open, Lawson. <laughs> this was something. Uh, sure. Uh, so let's do... I literally have a whole chapter here, but I'm not going to do that. Let's do... Um, yeah, I'll do, I'll do uh, this is Romans chapter four, starting in verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Hmm. So I'd like to thank my fellow elders, Lawson Harlow and Blake McCullough for the time spent today. Fellas, if you're going to be hardcore, be hardcore crispy. My brothers and my friends, Godspeed. Look, 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 look. I was going through the list of episodes the other day God. that we have, and I'm like, we call a Mexican restaurant? Oh, that's right. I call a Mexican restaurant. For- In smile. Texas? Yeah, smile. When Chicken new people come to church, it's awesome because they go back and listen, and I get to relive all the stupid yeah. stuff we've done. All of oh, man. I think we need to get back to stupid. Mm. You know? We don't. Like, you know, back to basics. I think we do. We already lost all of the serious people that were trying to make us be serious. Now it's just our people. Uh, that's true. Know? That's true. Let's prank call Beth. No, bro. <laughs> she has all our numbers. That's real. That <laughs> I don't think work. she has mine. Yeah, she does. But it'd Why would be she better? Not have, Why would better? she not have your number? <laughs> <laughs> we could do something really mean. Lawson's uh, in the ambulance. <laughs> bro that would not go well it wouldn't like these are terrible prank that calls that would not right? go well <laughs> Beth yes <laughs> I hate your Beth bro I'm like Lawson cut his hand like off like my what <laughs> my poor Lawson she would be she would be like she would be like gimp foot no hand <laughs> what, what even is this guy good for
<laughs> you know what? Though? Absolutely. You know nothing. what? I could guarantee if you got your hand cut off today. Yep. Okay. Yep. You'd be up there preaching on Sunday. Mm. That's probably true. He would. That's probably he true. Would. There would be. Why he would you be, say that? He would Why be sweating, and the bandage would be oozing blood. Oh, and that man gosh. would be preaching. The nub. <laughs> He'd be slinging it. <laughs> wow, this got weird quick. <sighs> really? I thought I that mean, was. I thought that was kind of who we are. <sighs>